This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. Hey, everybody, Brian here. You are about to listen to a great episode with Anna Olivier of the Jim Olivier Family of Companies. Now, this was recorded a few months ago, but the secrets Anna shares to her success are totally applicable today, probably even more now than before. You'll hear how Anna has had to overcome some challenges and has had some triumphs that will restore your confidence that you too can truly get through and overcome anything, especially if you have some solid principles and systems in place. So let's get to it. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And today I have Anna Olivier from Jim Olivier's Home Improvements and Roofing Louisiana out of Lafayette, Louisiana with us. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. It's going to be awesome. Before we jump into that, I got to tell you about my book. If you don't have a copy of it, you can still get a free copy. It's called The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. And you can get the copy at thewealthycontractor.com. And basically what the deal is, is I've bought a, a bunch of books and all I ask you, I'll pay for the book. You just pay for shipping and handling. So you can go to thewealthycontractor.com and you'll see a link there for getting a copy of the book. So Anna, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me, Brian. It's my pleasure. So we were talking a little bit before, before we turned on the recording and I told Anna, I'm going to start kind of backwards with her. I'm going to ask her first to tell us about her business today and then she has a really unique story of how she got into the business. So we're going to talk about that second. So Anna, give us kind of the, the quick version of what your business looks like today. I have two businesses. I have a roofing company and we are a Owens Corning Platinum provider. And I also have a home improvement company where we sell vinyl siding, windows, and hurricane shutters. And we are a five-star contractor with CertainTeed. They're two separate businesses. They're located across town from each other with two separate locations. I've had the home improvement company for this is our 22nd year of business. And the roofing company I purchased just about seven years ago. Cool. And between the two companies, about how many jobs did you complete last year? Between the two companies, about almost a little shy of 700. 700. Wow. How many salespeople? We have, I have to count them, uh, four, six, six salespeople. Six salespeople and you guys sold 700. Well, you sold probably a little bit more than 700, but 700 jobs from six salespeople. That's, that's pretty good. Yes. I'm very proud of my guys. <laughs> um, we'll talk more about that. So, um, okay. So tell us 
about. Now you can go a little bit longer on this. <laughs> Tell <laughs> us, uh, give us kind of the the short version because I know there. I know it's a long story, but give us kind of the shorter version of how did you get into this business? Well, Brian, when I was a little girl. I have to be honest, I was not dreaming of having a roofing, siding, and window company. <laughs> so, you don't say. Um, no, so it's kind of a unique story. I was um, educated as a nurse, and I was an RN in upper hospital management for um, almost 20 years. And my husband was in television. He was the on-air personality, <clears throat> excuse me, in the, in the local morning show. And we were looking for something for retirement. And neither one of us had any training or education in home improvement or construction, but we just saw an opportunity. So we, we prayed about it and then we opened this company and we hired people that did know the business, that, that knew the technical aspects. So my, my husband was very skilled at marketing and I was very skilled with business management, business systems. And so um, he was the front man and I did the back end and we hired um, skilled people and we opened a very successful business. And then about 12 years ago, he had a heart attack and passed away. And um, I had a decision to make and I decided that this was our legacy. And our plan was always to have this business grow it, and it would be our retirement. So I decided to continue forward with the business. I had another business at the time, which was a direct sales business that was also very successful. And I resigned my position there to focus on the home improvement company. So that's kind of the short story of how I got here. Yeah, it's what a great story. And so tell me, what was the other business, you, if, if you don't mind, the direct sales business? The direct sales, it was selling um, spa products and, and makeup and beauty products. It was a direct party plan company. Oh, okay, and I was cool. a, I was an executive director and <clears throat> was very honored to have been in the top 10 executive directors in the in the world. Wow. And that's a tough, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not an easy, that's not an easy business. Uh, no, it was very challenging, but I loved it. Um, yeah. What was interesting was that, you know, nursing is a, a predominantly female business. This, the direct party plan business was predominantly female. So moving into this male dominated business was rather unique. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So you took over the business um, you went from, I guess, from back of the house right up to the front. Did you, so what, what did you kind of, what, how did you make that switch? How did you go from now there was two of you and now it's all on you? It was uh, difficult. Um, if I'm going to be honest, it was very difficult. Um, it's a lot of pressure owning a business because you look at the people that work for you, um, and you know that there's families behind each of those pair of eyes looking back at you and know that the, you know, the responsibility of providing for them and generating leads and business rests on your shoulders. And it was, it's quite a heavy weight. Uh, it still is today. But back then when we were making the transition, it was, it was very hard because I, I did not know marketing. And my husband, having been on television, he was very comfortable in front of the camera and we have a very strong television market and have all have we built our 
business with television advertising and suddenly I was the one looking into that camera and I really had to work very hard. Um, I studied his commercials. I studied other people's commercials to see, you know, how did you, how did you breathe? How did you speak? How, what was your, you know, your facial expression? How did you stand? Just, there was, there's just a lot of nuances when you're on, on a television program. We, at the time, were also doing live television remotes where you were live on TV doing commercials and there was no room for error. So uh, just a little pressure. Yeah. <laughs> a small amount of pressure there. That's interesting. But, um, so are you still doing a lot of TV? I do. We still do a lot of TV. And you are the face. You are up front. I, I am now the face of the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, he was always the face of the company. People didn't, they didn't really know me. I was on the back end, but basically I was running the company, but they thought that they only saw him. Yeah. So there was a lot of empathy from the community because he was a, you know, a, a very well-known figure from from his television days as well as as a businessman so they had to get used to my face my voice and there was a lot of um, i guess grace and mercy because i was not skilled at doing tv commercials i probably looked like a deer in the headlights at first (laughs) making those commercials yeah but we had to make about uh, about a week or so after his death we made a commercial because the question came up in the community. What is she going to do? You know, so often when the, the, the man of the company, the face of the company passes away, the company closes. Right. And the big question was, what is she going to do? Is she going to, it was not only coming from our employees, but also from the community. And I wanted the community to have confidence that, yes, you can still call us because yes, we're going to still be here. And yes, we're going to serve you. Those of you who have, sign contracts with us as well as those who want and need our services we are going to be here we're not going away and i needed to put that message out there loud and clear and very firmly very quickly so the first within just you know, within just a a week or so of his of his passing and his funeral was very public it was on tv there was a lot of media um, exposure um, we had to make a commercial very quickly to say we're still here. We're going to be here. We're continuing on. And, and that was very, it was hard to do because I was still grieving, Yeah. but I had to do it for my staff and I had to do it for the, the, for the community to let them begin to build confidence because, you know, think about it. You, you, you see this and you think, well, geez, is she going to keep it? You know, she's a woman and uh, well, you know, what does she know? And so, I had to get out there because I had made that, because it came down, actually, Brian, it came down to a decision. We have to make a decision. And once we make our mind up, it's that mindset that I'm going to do this no matter what, no matter what it takes, I'm going to do it. We're going to make it happen. Yeah. And I wanted the community and my staff because the staff could have started to wander off thinking, well, well, what does she know? And what is she going to do? And they, you know, I didn't want them to start, searching for another job. Right. You know, I think is really fascinating about what you said was that when you went to start doing the TV commercials, that you studied the 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 breathing, the stance, the pauses, the 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 tone, the the because like in business, there are there is a 
uh, I guess system maybe is not the right word for, for that, but there are success strategies for mm -hmm. how you get up and, and uh, face a camera and convince people to pick up the phone and call you. So yeah. by saying that, that leads me to believe that the company also was very system and process oriented. Yes, it was. Um, with my nursing background, obviously, medicine is very system-oriented, body system, you methodically, um, to try and diagnose what is going on with a patient, you have systems and processes. And so I brought, as we opened this home improvement company, that same knowledge, while it was totally different, conceptually, it was the same. Right. And so um, I, you know, as my husband would work on advertising and his strategies there, I was working on setting up forms and systems and how is this going to happen and how is the lead flow going to go and how is the production flow going to go. I didn't know how to put in a window or install vinyl siding, but I, I knew how to get the paperwork and the information to the installer. And then as we, uh, we also educated ourselves, obviously, we had to, well, we, we needed to, and we did educate ourselves as to those products and those, how to do the installation. Now, I have never put in a window. I don't desire to put in a window. I don't think I need to put in a window, but I know how it's done. I've seen them do it. I know conceptually how it's done. So we continue to hire good skilled people around that. But there's also a system we've put in. Even when, when I acquired the roofing company, one of the things with medicine um, is you always have, we had quality assurance, a quality assurance program, which was, of course, when you don't want to make a mistake when you're caring for someone in the medical field because someone could die. So anytime there was an error, we always looked at an analysis of it. What's the root cause of it? What happened? How can we prevent this? What training is needed? And so we, I brought that same concept into the businesses here um, to where we, we look at how did, how did this happen? What are those callback rates? What are the warranty calls? Is it a particular crew? Is it a, p a particular product? What's going on so that we can you know, raise our standard of quality, make sure the installs are, are properly done so that we don't have warranty calls because that just costs you money. Right. And we like to keep our money in our pockets instead of giving it back. <laughs> so talk about so, that. You know, so, we, go, go on. Sorry. Go on. Well, well I was just going to say we even went so far um, in to develop a – we put a name to it. One of, the, um, one of the salesmen had attended a meeting and had heard the name of a, an oil field company's program and, and it was called the zero defect program and so we now we had um, signage made and little cards that you know you can put in your wallet uh, that are laminated that says zero defects because that is our goal and we have it everywhere around that says zero defects we want to be zero defects in our sales process as well as our installation process and every week we have meetings and we, we have zero defect reports. Everyone gets their individual report to know whether, you know, whether it's sales or production. So that, and when there has been an error, 
then we evaluate it and we then do training around it. So to prevent it, and when we first in, uh, implemented this formal program, because it's become a formal program, we were looking at $60,000 in callbacks, uh, especially wow. in the roofing company. And it's like, man, that is just money going out the window. So as we began to focus, whatever you put attention to uh, gets gets resolved. And so as we began to put a focus to it, the first year we went from $60,000 down to 23000 Wow. And so we're, we're continuing to work that down because our goal this year is, is always zero. We know no one is perfect, but it's still a goal. A good still, goal. That is what we're, yeah, that's what we're shooting for so that we can sell without, um, without error and then we can produce without error so that we have those raving fans and no callbacks and referrals and repeat business. So it's interesting that w with zero defects, you mentioned the sales process. Talk, tell me a little mm -hmm. bit more about that. What does a defect in the sales process look like? That would be if you were short on your square count. Um, if um, um, if someone had, uh, you know, if for siding, we sell it by the square. So if um, you're short on the square count, we we sign a contract. So if I say I'm going to do your job, say for ten thousand, and I'm short, that's on me. Right. I'm not going to go back to you. So we we want to give the guys feedback. How did you? What did you miss? Oh, I missed this whole side of the house. And so then there's an accountability then that comes, well, then that's going to, you know, you just don't get to make this kind of mistake and go, oh, oh, well, haha, -ha, you know, <laughs> so there's a, it, it, we also use it for accountability. Um, and as we've moved into, especially when we got into roofing, there's a lot more dynamics. And so if someone didn't add uh, for flashing or if you missed, um, the chimney or a few, you know, sometimes we have these bell roofs and, and we, I know that was, we lost a, a lot of money on that job. Well, didn't lose money. We just didn't make the money we had expected because, you know, there, it needed to have a certain product put on there as a standard and the salesman had not included that. And we did it just because you don't include it. It does, we're going to do it right, whether you sold it right or not. But then it, we took the opportunity in our staff meeting to say, okay, when we have a bell roof, this is what, this is how we do it in production. This is how you need to sell it. And we don't have that many bell roofs. So sometimes you don't, when you don't see something every day, you may not know how to properly sell it. So we use it as a training opportunity. So my philosophy is it's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. <laughs> that's good. That's really good. So we always want to learn from our mistakes because we're not perfect, we, that, but that is also our goal. Let's stop here and take a quick break. Now more than ever, you need a steady stream of profitable leads that are going to close easily and quickly with as little hassle as possible. Repeat and referral leads are the absolute best way to do that. But how do you go about generating more of these profitable leads systematically? At G4 Marketing Group, we have the whole process down to a science, and we have it all written out for you in the Referral Success Blueprint. We're making this blueprint free to you as a listener of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, so you can start generating more profitable leads for your business today. Just go to www.g4.com marketing.com 
forward slash blueprint. That's G-F-O-U-R marketing.com forward slash blueprint and download your referral success blueprint for free. Now let's get back to this episode. Yeah. So you mentioned that you bought the roofing company. What what brought that about and and what was that kind of transition from the previous owner to you like? The owner, the previous owner approached me. He was having some health issues and and just wanted to get out from under the responsibility of of ownership. And I thought that it was a good complimentary service. Oftentimes we had gotten calls for roofs. In fact, we had actually done some work with this company collaboratively. And so I just thought it was a, you know, a really good opportunity. It, it flowed well. The business model was similar to mine. And so I decided to go ahead and proceed with it. I'm always looking for opportunities to have additional streams of revenue income mm-hmm. for myself personally and also for, you know, strategic long-term planning. So I thought it was going to be an, it would be a nice fit and it, and it has been. When he, when, when he sold you the business, was there a, was there a real estate transaction involved as well? Yes, there was. In fact, I actually bought the building before I bought the company. Oh, interesting. Really? Yes, I did. <laughs> so, but wait. Did and so they... he rented from me for, for a year. <laughs> oh, he rented from you for a year. Great. So how was, how was it taking over somebody else's company? What was, what was that like? It was like nothing I had ever experienced before. I had built uh, four businesses from the ground up. I had never purchased or acquired an existing business. And it is a whole different animal. It was totally different. So it was different sets of strategies because I had to come in. I had to figure out what the culture was. And then I had to decide if I wanted to keep it that way or if I wanted to change it. And the answer was it needed to change. And so the challenge began of changing a culture. So it's one thing when you start a company, you get to create the culture you want from from day one. So this was totally different, changing mindsets of a 12-year-old company and people that had worked a certain way for 12 years. It was very challenging. It It was challenging for them as well because most people don't embrace change readily. So as I came in with these new ideas and what was new to them, they were old to me (laughs) because I had been doing them um, successfully um, for several years, not only in my nursing career and in my direct sales business, because it was the same processes and the same concepts. You just change what you're selling or what you're doing. But they had, many of them had never experienced these kinds of things. And so I got a lot of, a lot of pushback and there were many people that just could not go with the change. And so uh, those changes had to be made. Are, do the two companies, do the people from the two companies interact? 
They do. They they interact. It is challenge because a challenge because they are across town from each other. But we do, and especially as I my goal was to brand both companies. In fact, we are the you know the Jim Olivier family of companies. Even though Jim has passed away, he's a brand, mm-hmm. and so we continue with that that branded name. And it's the Jim Olivier family of companies. So as I add more services, it's going to be another family company. And so the the goal was to have we've you know we've got a phone system that if you call the home improvement company but you're asking for a roof, it's let me transfer you to that department. And so the you know we can transfer the the calls. We're tr- really focusing on our customer service. So they do interact. But we, there is a geographical distance between the two. But as I've worked, as I'm, I'm putting the same systems, the same uh, for both. And we're beginning now even to cross train each other so that someone is, is ill, we can back them up from the other company. So yep. how do you, how do you, how do you, there was a, there was, there have been a couple of times in my life where I've had two different companies and it's tough sometimes to split the time. It's it's good when they're related. Like the, I think very smart what you did. You added a complementary business, so the marketing is similar, the sales process is similar, mm-hmm. production is similar. But how do you handle it personally? How do you like split your time? Do you go? Do you physically go to both places, or do you just? you work from one place and you have a leadership team that you meet with how do you actually how do you make it happen <laughs> i think by the grace of god I, you know, <laughs> I um i go back and forth between the two companies we have certain days where there's staff meetings in each company and on mondays i spend half a day at the roofing company and the other half at the home improvement company and Tuesday, I'm at the home roofing company. Thursday, at the home improvement company. Wednesday, I teach a Bible study, and I actually this year am investing in myself, and I have a personal development day, as I call it, where I will then work from home and do any kind of personal development for myself and for my leadership skills or Love management it. skills. And because I, I always intend to do that when I get to the office, but somehow I never get around to it. So yeah. that is my Wednesday is my day. And then Friday is usually uh, doing payroll and that kind of thing. So I flip flop back, back and forth between the two companies. Do they absolutely like if you were to leave for a week or two weeks, is everything going to fall apart? It is not. In fact, I, they might even do better when I'm not around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I say that all the time. I was, I was uh, when I was at Accelerate Conference this year, I was getting text messages about all the sales that they were making. And I, I texted them back and said, I think I'm going to stay here in Florida because y'all are doing great without yeah. me. <laughs> So no, That's they so functioned. Uh, yeah, I loved it actually. Yeah, Send me, me more of those sales. That's happened um, to me no. too. <laughs> yeah, but they, um, you know, my I I don't want them dependent on me because I I want to be able to work on my businesses, and also be able to work in the community I'm involved with. 
some uh, boards. There's a women's chamber and there's some other boards and what have you that I want to be involved in. I, I like to mentor other women uh, business people. And, you know, I want to have time to do those kinds of things and give back to the community. And I can't do that if I'm stuck behind a desk or managing a problem. So I've, you know, got a lot of delegated authority. I've trained everyone in doing their job and we're, which is part of our zero defect. You know, everybody's account, there's accountability for what everyone is doing so that they can do their job independently and without me. And it works really, really well. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you because you're, you're with me now, but I'm also going to ask the listener, isn't that why isn't what you, all of what you just described why we are in business for ourselves in the first place so that we can spend our time on the things that matter most to us make the kind of money that will allow us to do those to do those things i mean that's really why we're in business in the first place isn't it it is for me, it's, it, and I hope it is for all of our listeners, because there's such freedom in that. There's a lot of sweat equity that you put into a company or a business at first. Yeah. Um, if I add something new, you know, there'll probably be some extra time getting it set up like you want it. But after that, it's to, you know, just kind of let your baby go. You know, just like you're, you grow up, you're, you, you raise your children to grow up to be independent adults. We want to... I want to grow up my, 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 your business. I want to call them children. Yeah. My business, right. <laughs> you know, to be, to be independent, just like we want healthy young adults, children, we want healthy businesses that yeah. will function and be productive and, and, you know, to have a staff that's, that's uh, satisfied and they, they look forward to coming to work and we can, we work hard, we play hard, we laugh hard. We cry together, and and everybody gets what needs that to get done done. They come together as a team, and it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, to sit back and watch it, and to, and then to have the freedom and the and the pride, and then and then I'll go out to you know networking events and that kind of thing, and I give them the opportunity as well. But to be able to go back and volunteer and and do those kinds of things, it's then it's also satisfying for for me. Yeah. So, so, so then let's move to one of my favorite topics and that is profitability because from everything that you've said so far, it sounds to me like your business makes money (laughs) and I know I'm saying that sarcastically, (laughs) but what people don't realize a lot of times is that the only way that your business ever achieves its true purpose, which is really to allow you to live your best life, is by having a profit model that delivers enough profitability, not only for the business to function every day, but also for the business to grow, for the people inside of the business to grow, for the owner to grow. Can you talk a little bit about your thoughts and your, I I guess, your beliefs around profitability? I definitely believe in profit. I believe very strongly in profit. I don't see the purpose of working if we're not making any money. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's more of a liability. We have, we analyze every single job down to the penny. We know what our margin is. We know what we want it to be. 
and we know then we'll know where it is and then if it isn't where we wanted it what happened kind of goes back to that zero defect mm -hmm. where, what, what happened here sometimes it's things outside of our controls and, but most of the times it, it was something that could have been different but yes no I am absolutely interested in profit in fact I've heard you say it and, and I, I thought oh somebody else is echoing my mantra I, I don't, I'm not interested in doing $10 million or $50 million and, and having a dollar in the bank. Yeah, I'm not impressed with that. I'd rather, in fact, um, I have scaled back some of the things that we do to focus on those products that and the product lines that are more profitable. We've actually eliminated some things that were not profitable at all. And so with, with what we do, there's warranties and and. So if you if it's um, not making any money and there's warranty things, it's it's a risk. It's a risk. risk. And so, yeah. So if we can't make it profitable, then we just need to we need to cut it out and scale it back. And I, I to me, it's working smarter and not harder. Can we raise our prices and do less and make more? Offering a a, a better service and and increasing our our customer experience, um, then that's wonderful. Because the more jobs you do, the more liability you have. And so you better be having some money in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> because so, this isn't a perfect science and people aren't perfect. And right. um, things happen. And so you need to be prepared as well as things go up and down. Uh, we, we are in a, um, a hurricane zone. And while hurricanes are, are wonderful for the roofing business, they're not good for the siding and window business. And when things, when we're having a dry spell, people don't know their roofs are leaking. And so it gets dry. This, I think we all know as, as contractors, this business is seasonal. It's up and down. And you've got to have enough money in the bank to hold you through those drier seasons. And with siding and windows, uh, in my opinion, they're discretionary spends. So if, if, if the economy is tight or consumer confidence is low, they're going to hold back on their discretionary spends if their roof is leaking well they can't they got to get it fixed right but you know you don't have to change your windows you don't you can paint your house you don't have to install uh beautiful vinyl siding yeah so you know what I, we have to be prepared yeah i like what you said earlier because this is something i tell people all the time and i actually show it to them um through different um models you know some of which that that i've created is that you can actually sell less jobs and make more money it doesn't make any sense to sell a job for the wrong margin just for the sake of selling the job and i'm and i'm really glad that you that you said that and and mm -hmm. you said it and and you're okay with it because you oh, understand the numbers. You understand, hey, I'm gonna make more money. Why do I need to do more jobs if I can do less and make more? Absolutely, I've had conversation with other contractors that they tell me that um, you know they don't care as long as they're putting a dollar in the bank. Yeah, they're happy, and it's like, really? <laughs> Isn't that? I'm not interested in that. <laughs> do you know? I, you know? I, I hear that stuff all the time that uh, you know they do millions and millions of dollars and their response is well if i have money in the checkbook that must mean i'm making money well no <laughs> that doesn't no. mean you're no money. that just means you got some <laughs> money today in the checking account 
Um, right. By the way, just out of curiosity, when you bought the when you bought the roofing business, did you go into debt? Not the building, but the business itself. To purchase the business? Yeah. Yes, I did have to take a loan to to purchase the business. You yes. did, okay. Mm-hmm. But the cash flow of the business satisfied the 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 note. It has, yes. Okay. Cool. Yes. Yeah. It had to be tweaked. (laughs) I will say this. It had to be tweaked. (laughs) It had to be tweaked? But it had to be tweaked. But we tweaked it. Yes. Well, it's interesting, you know, because there's, you know, one of the podcasts actually that was just released while we're recording this, you guys will hear it. You guys will be hearing this a couple months after we recorded it. But uh, Scott Berman, I think it's episode 87 or so we have this conversation because he's got this unique strategy where he buys window companies, but he'll only buy a window company if, if he can buy the real estate with it. Mm. And so it's a, it's a very, very interesting strategy. And I think he does, he pays for the business through cash flow, but obviously the, the building he's buying through, through leverage. You mentioned also, raise it. We've gone over time. So if you're okay, I want to go a few more minutes with you. Absolutely. Great. So, and to the listener too, I, I'm, I think you're getting enough value to hang out with us for a few more minutes. This, I think this is a great conversation. You mentioned price and raising price. So it seems to me like you are not skittish or afraid to put your price where it needs to be. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So if anyone is a little more mature, they may remember this commercial from a few years back where it was a a, a woman's hair color commercial. It was preferenced by L'Oreal. And their tagline was, because I'm worth it. <laughs> and so if you remember that commercial, that's that's how I feel in my heart. We are worth it. I know what we're bringing to the table. I know what the other people are doing. I know the integrity that every single person in my organizations, what, what integrity they walk in. I know my heart and I know we're worth it. So I have no qualms about, I don't, we won't rip anybody's eyeballs out. We're not, I'm, I'm getting the value. They're getting the value that they're paying for. And with, um, in our, in our market, especially in the roofing industry, I'm up, up, up against a pretty stiff wall of a different mindset. Uh, we have a lot of people that are racing to the bottom just to get the job. And so um, it's changing even the culture of our community when it comes to uh, this industry. So it's an uphill battle, but it's one that I think is worth it. It's a challenge I embrace, and it's a charge I continue to push forward. You know, that's, that's very interesting that you said that. So it's a race to the bottom. We know, you and I both know that is not a, a race we, neither one of us wants to be in. Let them go and lose, lose money. You, you and me aren't going to do that. However, you are having to go up against them. So mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you are doing to, I guess, I hate to use the word justify, but to build more value into what you are doing and, you know, and convince people that, hey, yes, we are going to be more money, but we're worth it. What are some of the things that you do 
to overcome the that price objection? Well, first of all, we've done a lot of scripting, even in how we answer the phone, so that we sound different than yeah. everybody else. Um, we're trying to create a totally different customer experience. We are, you know, our 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 salesmen, <clears throat> they're scripted. They put on. Um, booties they they ask if this is you know just everything the way that we conduct ourselves um in from the time we answer the phone to the time we get out there to the the level of staff that we have um we've really worked and continue to work hard in our sales process to uh, build that value to show them how we're different what we do different because our installation process is 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 different and so we try to explain that so it's just been a lot of training also just being able to sell and not bid because we're up against a lot of people that are basically bidding yeah. and estimating so i i always have seen that we are uh, both of the companies are professional sales organizations we happen to sell siding and windows and roofing yep we could be selling widgets. So we, you know, we dress a certain way. Um, even the, the, the ladies in the office dress a certain way. We have an office. <laughs> yeah. We have an office. A lot of people don't even have an office. We, and we're trying to create that customer experience also with added value things, working with other companies. We've recently signed up with G4 for our, um, our, our post-customer experience to increase referrals and reviews and that kind of thing, just giving them things that are totally unexpected. Yeah. That, that will wow them, you know, because, you know, you buy, you buy a car. What did you get when you bought your car? Not Nothing. much. Yeah. Not, not even a keychain. You know, right. I got an email. Thank you card. Not even get a thank you card in the mail. I got an email. So no one expects any kind of, um, thank you or appreciation um, beyond just the fantastic job that we're going to do. You know, our, our, our crews are, um, we work with them in, in their communication and their customer service and going above and beyond. And, and now we're, you know, wanting to give them the wowness even after the sale. Yeah. You know, I, that I wrote down what you said. It, it's, it's bidding versus selling. And bidding is a whole lot easier, isn't it? Oh, sure. It's a lot well, easier. Yes, yes. It's kind of like, you know, getting a bunch of paper wads and throwing them up against the wall and see what's going to stick. Did, did everybody hear <laughs> what she just said? It's a whole lot said? of work. Did everybody hear what she just said? But, 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 but look, that's what it is. That's what people do. And they, mm -hmm. and they wonder, well, why, why is Anna able to get so much more money than me. Why is Anna buying real estate and buying other buildings? Why is Anna able to take, you know, two or three days off? Why is Anna able to go away for, for however long she goes away for and all the beautiful places she goes to? Because she's willing to do the things that everybody else is not willing to do. And I'm so glad you said it that way because that's what this, really, that's what this podcast is all about. It's like, look, you could be, you could, be the person that just throws crap against the wall and hopes some of it sticks mm -hmm. and struggle and and never get rich or wealthy, whatever that means to you, mm -hmm. or 
you can do the things that not everybody else does and you know for some amount of time and then you will see a lot more reward but it's not easy you got to work no. at it you have to work at it. You have to be consistent. You have to be focused. You have to have a mindset that we're going to get this done. Um, it may, it does not happen overnight. So you, you know, sometimes it can get discouraging. Um, it's hard to, you know, look our, my salesman in the eye and they come in and they, they lost a, a, a sale to a low bidder. And it's like, okay, that just wasn't our customer because right. I also know that we're not, we have, we know who our customer is. We've identified them yep. and it isn't, you know, it isn't, it's someone that will afford us. We have a value and not everyone can appreciate the value and, and they may not be our customer and that's okay. And because that's there's okay. Plenty yep. Because there's plenty of business for everyone, and but I'm not going to, you know, I, I, we just want to be able to serve our community and I can't serve our community without making money yeah. and without being here for the long haul. Awesome. So I love yeah. it. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Pleasure. One, one last, one last question. So uh, you've been at this, you've been at this for, for quite some time. You've, you've uh, done extremely well, but, you know, if you look back over the time that you've done this and you could go back and maybe do something a little different or change something, what would that, what would that be? What would you have done earlier? <laughs> um, I, you know, I probably would have invested in myself a little earlier. Um, I made mistakes along the way. Uh, but you know, we learn from our mistakes and right. the person that I'm, I am today is because some of the hardships I went through, some of the mistakes I've made, because you know, there's, don't misunderstand, we've had difficult financial years. We've yeah. had some very dry seasons. We all have. And how do you, yeah, and how do you make it through those seasons? And what do you learn? And what did you, you know, what do you do to prepare for these things? And so, you know, other than investing in myself, getting, educating myself more on, you know, management skills, leadership skills, because I think, you know, you can't, you, you can't make people do anything, but you can lead them and influence them. Um, and so, you know, how could I have been a better leader to, to make people more successful? Because I, I love that Zig Ziglar quote that says, you know, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. Right. So could I have been a better leader? Uh, along the way. So, uh, you know, I have really come to embrace, you know, I need to invest in myself so that I can help others and then invest in them. That's awesome. Well, Anna, this has been fantastic. I, you, you definitely have to come back because there's still a whole bunch of stuff that <laughs> we talk about that we did not, that we did not get to, but to the listener, this episode is filled with uh, gold nuggets. And I think if you go back and listen to it again, I think you'll hear some things that you probably didn't hear the first time just because, you know, you focused on one thing the first time you're going through and you say, oh, wow, that's really, really good. And then you miss the next thing. And so I would say go back and, and listen to this one again. It's definitely worth a second or third listen. Anna, a thank you again. I really appreciate you. Thank you for, for being a guest. And to everybody listening, again, 
go get a copy of The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. You will notice when you read through that book, some of the things that you heard today, you might see, you know, you might see in that book, success definitely leaves clues. And Anna gave us definite proof of that on this webinar. So go to thewealthycontractor.com and grab yourself a copy of the of the book. Get on our list so you can be the first to know about new podcast episodes and there's other resources there for you as well. So this is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast and until next time. All right, so that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. Now, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. And a favor. I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and post a review of this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. The Wealthy Contractor Podcast is brought to you by G4 Marketing Group, where we help contractors of all kinds create customers, keep customers, and multiply their customers and profits. If you're interested in reaching new levels of success for your company, visit www.gfourmarketing.com or just call us at 305 305- 856-8788 to schedule your free, no obligation, wealthy contractor strategy session. Now, during this strategy session, we're going to look at eight key performance factors in your business, and we're going to help you uncover opportunities for growth, for leads, for sales, and for profit. And finally, We started the Wealthy Contractor as a resource to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you want to go. We want to provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources, and the tools so you too can live the life of the Wealthy Contractor. Now, the Wealthy Contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay, it's encouraged. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing.